I mean, it's one thing to sit on realestate.com and look at all the new units for sale or look at all the big sites for sale uh, with all the development potential that the agent's writing about. It's another thing to actually get out there and um, look at the development going up on a site and then look at the site five doors down that you know could potentially do the same thing and getting out there and getting a real feel for what's going on in the area. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Property Developer Podcast, a show dedicated to helping property developers take their game to the next level. Before I get started with today's guest, I thought I would do a quick project update on our townhouse development. This week, we were all set to begin construction and have the Boar Pier retaining wall put in along our eastern boundary. Everyone was booked in and ready to go, which took a bit of juggling, I might add. And today I found out that the set-out guy can't find the boundary pegs that were put in when we had the boundary re-establishment survey done. So they can't set out the boundary, which means the retaining wall can't go in later this week. Of course, being the end of the year, the surveyor who did the job says they can't get out there for about a month. So at the moment, I'm trying to find a solution so that things can still get done this week. Anyway, I'm sure we'll find a way around it so the retaining wall can still go in. It's just another bump along the developing road. On to today's guest, who is Daniel Hamilton. Daniel is a plumber by trade and runs his own plumbing business, servicing developers of mid to large projects. So he really understands the developing process and what it is like on the trade side. Daniel started out doing a four-unit site and is currently trying to get approval for a 20-plus apartment block. In this chat, we talk about why Daniel is moving into higher-density developments, what he has learned along the way, and one thing he does for developing inspiration and ideas. My first question to Daniel was, if he could be a member of any band in the past 20 years, who would it be and why? I could have been in any band in the last 20 years. Yeah, it would have been uh, a band called Jars of Clay. Uh, I'm a Christian and uh, Jars of Clay is one of my favourite Christian bands and I really like their work and uh, what they do. And they have an amazing acoustic sound. I play acoustic guitar and uh, I love, yeah, I love their music. Oh, very good. I would have had you down as maybe a, um, a Kiss fan. Really? Yeah, no, no. Kiss, Kiss is not on my list. There you go. There's a hole in Oats Jack for you. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, it's always good to know a little bit about someone and their musical tastes. There you go. So can you tell us a little bit about your developing journey, things that you're working on, projects that you've completed? Started out oh, about uh, three or four years ago now. Our first site was a site we put four units on in Croydon in Melbourne. Yeah, so we purchased that at the uh, towards the end of 2012. Yeah, went through the went through the developing process, went through the application process, ended up getting four units on. That all finished up in February this year. So that was that was my first project, um, mine and my business partner's project. That was our first one. So yeah, it went quite well. So was that a four unit site on a thousand square meters? It was a four-unit site on eleven ten. Okay, Daniel, can you tell us how you got into property developing and why? 
Yeah, so I run my own uh, plumbing business called Fresh Plumbing and Air Conditioning. And we do, well, we do, um, we specialize in uh, building uh, of new townhouses, new unit sites, uh, doing the plumbing side of, of that, apartment sites. Yeah, sort of your mid-size to larger uh, residential builds. Yeah, so that's that's what we do in the plumbing side of things. I love love what I do. I love the work. And I just uh, was looking for something else to be doing alongside that really Maybe something that could provide me a bit of a a bit of a better uh, financial future in not in in, in a shorter time frame uh, than what plumbing will will or would have taken. I started looking around. I did a few business courses, um, spoke to a lot of people, and um, I, I've always worked around sites, unit sites, townhouse sites, apartment sites. So I knew that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be the one doing the developing side of it. That's sort of what led me into it. So would you say that given your trade background, that gave you a little bit of a leg up or a bit of an insight into what developing is actually like? Yes, would be the answer to that. I do feel that um, the trade background helped because in developing, it just allowed me to be a step ahead uh, in knowing what, in, in having some idea of already of what happens actually on site. Especially in, in plumbing, there's there's a lot to do in de- there's a bit to do in developing with with drainage and pipe work. I suppose authority services and and knowing you know you, they can be learnt uh, as part of the developing process. But the trade background did did give me a bit of a leg up there, yeah. And it meant you also had a hard hat, high vis vest, and boots if you needed to make a site visit. That's right. That's one cost I did not have to uh, factor into the uh, the developing spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> and then tell us a little bit about what you're working on at the moment because you've got a couple of interesting sites on the go yeah so currently we have two uh, sites on the go at the moment out in the east of melbourne the same sort of area as we did our first one they're a bit bigger than the first one so we're working on we're working on one site at the moment it's 22 apartments so um we're just going through the the planning process at the moment with council so that's one of them and the other one is another apartment site we haven't begun the planning process with that yet we're just sitting that one there at the moment while we while we just work out what the first one's doing uh, but they're the they're the two current projects okay that's interesting mm. and i understand that the planning application process for your first apartment building is providing a learning experience for you should we say yeah well i think the whole developing journey is a bit of a learning experience so where we're at we've um we've submitted our uh, our initial uh application to to council and they've come back and asked for some amendments to the site without being incredibly direct about what they want to see so we've had to get some um consultants involved to i suppose have a bit of a redesign We've got an urban designer involved now, so to get a redesign from a from a neighbourhood character streetscape uh, sort of angle, and so um, we're hoping that uh, with the new re- with the redesign of the site, this will go back to council, and yeah, they'll be happy to move forward with it. Okay, and what lessons mm. would you say that you've learnt in at that encounter with council in terms of what you would do differently next time? Yeah, next time I would be involving these professionals earlier. I'd be putting my hand in my pocket to start with and getting some really good people on side, probably even prior to going to a designer initially. Uh, I'd, I'd be getting some, maybe, maybe a town planner, an urban designer, and uh, maybe a landscape designer to have a look at the site itself, um, to have a look at the height and the setback restrictions, and to give some indication as to you know, what might fit in the area, uh, but also 
what might be supported through a legal process, you know, through VCAT if if required at the other end of the application if, you know, if it did go through to council and it wasn't supported or if the, um, if the residents or those surrounding the property um, stuck their heels in and took us to VCAT or something. Mm. So have you got any advice for people about how you approach working with council on a contentious design? I think it largely, from my understanding, it depends on what council it is. Uh, and I suppose that the planners you're dealing with in that council, some councils uh, will give you clear direction as to what they want to see on a particular block of land. And you can move move away fairly confidently and go and get something designed um, to that. Um, some councils, such as Yarra Rangers, which is the council we're dealing with, provide much less direction uh, as to what they might like to see on a site, in my experience anyway. It's a bit hit and miss, to be honest, I think, depending on who you get at the council. I don't think there's any surety dealing with a council. Okay, so do you seek clarification from the planners wherever you can or do you rely more heavily upon your consultants? I think it's a mixture of both. I think certainly it's a good idea to involve the planners at council if they're willing to have an opinion on the site. On, on our particular site at the moment, um, they haven't, as I, as I said earlier, they haven't been too clear on direction. So I've had to rely very heavily on my consultants and bring some new consultants in along the way to provide that direction. Yeah. Okay. But you're confident that you'll either get council support or you can take it all the way through to a tribunal and be successful? I'm now confident uh, with having brought these new uh, consultants on that if it doesn't get supported at council uh, with our resubmission. And so what is it about the advice that you've gotten from these consultants that gives you that confidence? Well, these consultants uh, deal in the tribunal uh, regularly. Uh, on projects of, of this of this size of this nature, uh, in in quite a few different uh, different areas, different councils, um, and so their advice is current uh, with what they're experiencing, you know, with councils and also with the tribunal. So, in my way of thinking, they're, they're the best ones to rely on uh, moving forward. With as the, they're the ones with the experience in the area. Okay, so your advice to others is get these people on board early if you're uncertain about how council will view it, or just get them on regardless. Yeah, I think depend. I think it largely depends on what you're doing on the site. I think if you're building something that's fairly common in the area, that you know you could probably go without having to have these consultants on site. But I think if you're pushing the boundaries and building something a little bit larger, maybe being a bit of a forerunner, uh, that it's definitely a good idea to get these uh, consultants in to start with so that you can be confident in your initial design with your initial application and, uh, yeah, it'll just save time in, in moving forward uh, if, 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 in fact, it does have to go through to a tribunal level. So can you tell me why you decided to move from a four-unit site up to an apartment block? A couple of reasons. I have, in, in, in my current uh, line of work in, in the plumbing, we do a lot of um, apartment-style jobs. Uh, so for me personally, that's always where I've wanted to be. I've wanted to be doing bigger jobs since the beginning. So I've probably taken a step a bit earlier than than others may have, but that's probably because I've, I've always wanted to, to be there doing it. And I've seen, a bit, I've seen them done before as well. So I have some idea of the areas and sort of, the, I suppose, the yield in regards to the number of units you can, or apartments you can get on a, on a certain size site in a certain size zoning. So I have some experience in that. 
and secondly, the profit on a 22 apartment site versus the profit on a four apartment site is just that much better. While it can take a significantly longer time to get the application through and, and the build process is significantly longer, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the return at the end of the project is, is, a, is a better return. Okay, that's good. Well, it'll be interesting to see how you go with council and if you can get that one off the ground. It will, very, it will be very interesting. <laughs> Watch this space. So can you tell me, what have you learned about developing over the past couple of years that you've been involved with it? I think once you know that what you want to do uh, in developing and you learn you know, that type of developing, whether it be townhouses or apartments, or once you learn the process of how to do it, you know, it's really just um, copy and paste. It's like, it's like learning anything new. You, know, you put your best effort towards it. You put in the time learning it. And, you know, it's a new skill. It's a new skill for life. And so I suppose I've learned that developing um, really is, is where I want to be uh, for, for moving forward for my, um, you know, my chosen career, I suppose, or my, my chosen way of creating wealth. And what do you reckon you've learned about yourself along the way? I suppose I've learned, uh, running, having run my own business for a lot of years, uh, I knew uh, that I could... I was capable of, of getting this off the ground uh, or getting something new off the ground. Um, and so I suppose I've, I've confirmed that in myself. Um, I, it's highlighted some, some strengths and some weaknesses uh, in myself uh, throughout the developing process. I suppose that, um, like, like in anything, um, you can get uh, – developing is a bit of an up-and-down journey. Um, you know, you'll have wins one day, you'll have losses the next day as far as things going right, things being challenging. And through some of the, through some of the challenging times, you can uh, slow down, you can become, uh, you can procrastinate on doing the, uh, doing the difficult parts of the, of the, uh, of the process um, or even sometimes the mundane parts of the process. I suppose I've just learned to keep my head up and just push through. If you're able to do that, then um, you know you will you will get to the end eventually. And uh, if you're able to uh, carry out the stick to the stick to the goal, you know you'll come out the other end winning. Yeah, I reckon you're right. I've had a day like that just today with some wins, some losses, <laughs> not necessarily financial, but just yeah, little wins, little losses here and there. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's a normal day in developing. developing is never in a straight line is it no it's like uh anything in life it is a zigzag life is a zigzag and you've got to make sure that uh that doesn't get to you because that's just life it's never ever going to go all your own way all the time um but if you keep at it persist uh you know you do get you do eventually get the outcome you wanted so do you reckon that's the key skill for a developer is persistence or is there something else to it? I think the key skill for a developer is confidence. I would say that it's not being a know-all because as soon as you know it, you will not learn it. So you need to be um, humble. You need to be malleable as in you need to be able to learn new things and take, take on board new ways of doing things. You need to understand the process. You need to be all over knowing what you're doing. But 
the key is confidence for me. That's that's what I feel is the, is the key uh, for developing or for business, to be honest. So you just need to know that you know, hey, you're out there, you're doing it, you're giving it a go. Uh, be confident in moving forward. Get the right advice and and just just do it. Just hold your head up. Go out the next day. Go out that day. Do what you need to do. Obviously, persistence is part of that, but no, the key the key is um, confidence in yourself is what it is, yeah. Well, that's interesting because I've often heard that money flows to confidence. <laughs> There's one thing, Justin, one thing, it's confidence. That's the one thing you need. Right. I'll make sure <laughs> that I keep working on that. You can write a book. The one thing you need in developing. <laughs> so, can you tell me what it is you love about developing? In my current business, to to gain the same return uh, off a off a off a project, or even a much greater return, depending on you know what project you're doing, where you're doing it, it takes a lot less time and effort to return the same amount of money or the same amount of return on investment to in developing than it does in um, in what I was currently doing in running my own business. And so that is definitely one aspect uh, I love about developing the freedom the freedom to choose when you do what. And if you develop, if you're planning and developing your own site, you really are steering the ship. And I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on you to make sure you keep things moving, but you are calling the shots in that. Whereas working for someone else or running your own business, uh, working for other people, you are still on their time frame. You are still working to their deadlines. So it's just much more comfortable to be running the show from a point of view of running your own development. Yeah, you can certainly leverage your time pretty significantly when you're doing developments. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if you had a magic wand and could change anything about developing, what would it be? It would be the application process uh, and the approval process through council. It seems to me uh, that is that is the one one of the one of the unknowns, I suppose, that you can't really control through, throughout the developing process is exactly what you're going to come up against at council. So the framework in which we, we, we are able to put um, certain size uh, properties on certain sites in certain zones and then there's an opinion there's an opinion level really at council where it depends on which planning you get at what, at what time and you know what their, what their outlook is and they are elected um, by the residents and by the constituents in that uh, area. So they can be very heavily influenced by external factors other than what the, what the state government has decided uh, that would be the right thing to put on that block. So I would, if I could, ch- if I could wave a magic wand and change anything, uh, it would be that process that it would be more more reliable uh, information and clear cut uh, requirements uh, that would say, right, if you do this on this site, uh, you will. We will, you will be approved because I think developers would be quite happy to stick to those guidelines if they were made available. Now, in a way, they are made available, but then you can hit that, that next level of red tape where you've got an elected person making the decision and generally they're not going to side with the big bad developer. They're going to side with the residents who are voting them in for their job for next year. So um, I just think that process could be a little bit, uh, a little bit easier for everyone. Yes, I would certainly be in favour of a more streamlined approval process, that's for sure. (laughs) Some of it is just people bringing their personal views to the table rather than ticking boxes. Does it meet design? Does it meet the schedule? Does it meet the planning code? Tick, tick, tick. Yep. 
That's exactly right, and that's that's what that is. That's what those uh, those things are in place for that you've mentioned. Uh, they're they're in there to guide developers and those who would uh, want want to build housing for people to follow. But yes, that's right. Their personal views certainly come into it. And so, tell me, do you plan ahead at all? Do you sort of have a three to five year plan or next year, two years, in terms of what kind of projects you'd like to work on? My uh, my five year plan. Is to is to finish these two projects off that we've got on the go now, um, and that should be done within the five years. And along the way, uh, assessing where we would be. I mean, we will be on the outlook for for, for one more site uh, within that time, possibly two. But just assessing how these ones are running, and um, you know, certainly moving on with this with this size project. Uh, whether it be in the same um, location or maybe a location a bit closer to the city, uh, once the um, once the capital is available to buy in, that would be my plan moving forward, and eventually to do developing full time. Now, looking ahead with your apartment project, once you get through this approval stage or the approval stage, what do you think is going to be the hardest part or some of the more challenging aspects to it? Well, once we're approved, I do see it running fairly smoothly from there. Uh, I suppose I have the benefit of being, having, having been involved in a number of these projects from a trade level and seeing them right through from beginning to end. So um, I have a good understanding of, of how that will all work. Also, uh, an understanding of the services and authorities and, and I suppose the, the different trades and authorities that need to be involved in you know, in the building of the project, one of the challenges on our uh, on our current sites may be the uh, the digging of the basement. But um, that'll be that'll be sorted through a you know a discussion uh, process with the builder. We end up uh, deciding to, to go with, um, and uh, we just we, we, we do we do have there is potentially we have done some uh, soil tests on the site. There potentially is some rock where we will be requiring to dig the basement out. So. That's that's probably the only uh, the only unknown for me once the approval is granted. Oh, well, hopefully it turns out to be a pretty smooth process for you. Absolutely, let's hope. Yeah, I certainly know. After we got the approval on our townhouse development, I thought it would be plain sailing. <laughs> and it was anything but. Yeah, well, there's a, um, well, yes, there's always challenges. But were those things, those uh, the challenges that have come after approval, were they unknowns to you, or were they just uh, more of a process of working through each each item just to, to get the to get the result? Yeah, I think you're just you're going to come up against challenges when you're doing larger developments. It just mm. doesn't matter what they are, and you just have to work through them. Nothing is going to be nothing that's that big is going to be a smooth process. So yeah, and I think. Um, I think once you've got your your approval in place, while the challenges that present themselves are certainly um, when you on the day they present are certainly uh, they do knock you over sometimes. Most of them can be worked through with the right people. Yeah, look, I think one of the biggest frustrations is just that you constantly or that you regularly come up against people who are saying no or it can't be done or it needs to be done differently, and sometimes that can get a bit frustrating and it slows you down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Until you- that's that's true. Until yeah. you figure out a way to go around them or to get around it. Yeah, and quite often it's as hard as it is, and I struggle with this, but it's it's actually it's it's listening to what's going on for that person as well. Like, why are they telling me this won't work? 
because they are having a bad day and the missus yelled at them this morning and they and, and they can't be bothered or is it actually you know is this actually something that will not work you know is it you know it's just just about listening and, and working out you know what needs to happen around it to make to make to find a solution uh, find a different way you know there's 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 big there's big issues and then there's smaller issues and I suppose your big ticket items are your sales prices, your build cost, your um, obviously your purchase price of the site, your sales your sales price of, the, of your end product, your build cost along the way, you know once and, and your approval from council. Once you've got those you know key key things sorted, then everything else really should be able to be worked out. You know if, if you need to to bring a wall in here or you know move a pipe over there or move the move the location of the fire service meter or or what whatever it is you know move move the location of the of the um 44 bins you've got to put in to service the site you know and lose a car park well these are small issues yeah that can be worked through i can't imagine the number of decisions i've had to make since before buying the site to now (laughs) be in the thousands easily well it's never boring is it justin no, it's never been boring, and that's actually something that I really like about developing. Yes, we, it's uh, we've also, the mind We also have to provide space for 44 bins out the front of our place. It <laughs> doesn't take up any car spaces, fortunately. No, no, not no, not on yours. Uh, you've got uh, quite a lot of room on that site. Maybe it could have been 50. Yeah, well, I was pleased... Um, <laughs> I actually wrote the waste management plan for the as part of the application. I was very pleased when it got ticked off by council's waste department. There you go. Did that, do you think that uh, maybe that could be a side venture? <laughs> well, I might make it available for people to use. It was pretty straightforward. I might grab the template off you. Yeah. <laughs> the essence of the document was that the owners would take the bins from their garages on bin day, wheel them to the front, leave them there, and once they were emptied, they would wheel them back and put them in their garages. <laughs> That's uh, well thought out, that. I don't know where you got that idea. Uh, well, the guys I, in the waste area last... liked it enough to, to approve it. Because <laughs> well, it rang true. That's what they do as well. <laughs> and I think I put some a nice photo of some wheelie bins on the front of it. So, you know, it's all about the artistic flair. That's what it is. That's what got you through. <laughs> and and so for the developers out there that are listening to you, what one thing do you find that works really well for you? One thing that works really well for me uh, is, is getting in my car and going for a drive around and seeing what's going on in an area and then uh, speaking to, whether it be speaking to some agents in the area, maybe um, ringing the builder on a site that you might drive past and see what's going on. You know, even talking to the council in a, in a specific area, but getting an understanding of the developing that's going on in that area and um, what 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 is being achieved and 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 how that happened, and then how you could you know if that's 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 an area you want to do something in, how you could then replicate that in your own in your own developing. That's something that uh, that works quite well for me. I mean, it's one thing to sit on realestate.com and look at all the new units for sale or look at all the big sites for sale uh, with all the development potential that the agent's writing about. It's another thing to actually get out there and um, look at the development going up on a site and then look at the site five doors down that you know could potentially do the same thing and getting out there and getting a real feel for what's going on in the area. I mean, that nothing spurs me on like getting out and doing that. Uh, that would be one thing that works very well for me. 
Well, I think that's terrific advice, Daniel, and I reckon that's a pretty good place for us to finish up here. So, Daniel, thanks for being on the Property Developer Podcast. I'm very grateful for all the information that you've shared with us. If there's any developers out there that want help with their plumbing on their next project, they can certainly contact you at Fresh Plumbing and Air Conditioning, and I'm sure you've got an email address that they can get you at. Yeah, definitely. They can just flick me an email over to daniel at freshplumbing.com.au. They can get in touch with me that way. Daniel, thanks again for being on the Property Developer Podcast. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me. Well, that was another great chat with a developer with an eye on bigger things. I like how Daniel has a clear idea of where he is going with his developing and the types of projects he wants to get into. I took a couple of things away from our conversation. First, get clear on what type of projects you want to get into and figure out a path on how to get there. Do you need to take some small steps to get there or can you find a mentor to help show you the way? Can you do a smaller project of that type to get some experience and learn the ropes before jumping onto something bigger? Second, if you're looking to test the boundaries with the local council, then invest in getting good consultants onto the project early. Having that support and confidence as you go into the approval process will help you sleep better at night and also show council that you are serious about your proposal. And third, take a drive around the area you want to develop in and see what's going on. It will show you what has received approval and what is on the market. Not that that necessarily means it is a profitable or successful project, but it will give you an idea of what's possible. You can then do some further investigation on those projects to find out how they got the approval, did they have to go to a tribunal, who is the builder, can you give them a call and find out a bit about the project, who is the listing agent, can you call them and see how the properties are being received by the market. So there's plenty of good inspiration and intelligence that you can gather from one trip around the area. That's it for another episode. Please leave a comment with iTunes if you're enjoying the show or head over to propertydeveloperpodcast.com and leave a comment on the bottom of the page for this episode. I'll respond to each of them. That's it. Until next time, may all your developments be successful. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.